So here we are at the final feast day of our liturgical year, Christ the King. Hopefully it's been a blessed year for you, and uh, this solemnity has sacred meaning in my own journey of faith, and uh, it reminds me to take inventory, to take stock of how I've been living the Christian life, but it also reminds me of covenant. And I think for most of us, when we say the word covenant, it doesn't really have a tangible meaning for us. We think of maybe our Jewish brothers and sisters of the Old Testament who made covenant with God, who made an established relationship with God. Anytime they strayed from the commandments or gave into idolatry or let their hearts become cold, God tried to reestablish a covenant with them by manifesting to them his mighty power and deeds. And our Lord, when he came in the flesh, the last night before he was killed, established a new covenant with us. And that new covenant wasn't a sacrifice of animals and blood and goats, but the sacrifice of himself on the cross. And he told us to take and drink of his body and blood and to go out into the world and to baptize all nations into this sacred bond which he and his Father and the Holy Spirit were establishing through the church for the salvation of all, bringing us back to the original garden, bringing us back to paradise that was lost. And the moment that you and I were baptized at the font, whether it was as an adult or as an infant, we were brought into that sacred covenant. We were brought into God's family, branched as adopted children, fused into the tree that the, the Jews experienced first. And so little by little, God every year is, is bringing us to the fullest expression of that great hope, which is the resurrection. So that's the backdrop of our readings today. What I want to do is reflect on the, the two readings and then the gospel to help us give some practical wisdom, some practical advice on how to live this out uh, so that by next year uh, we're a bit, little bit closer to that hope. We're a little bit uh, uh, more excited uh, about that reality. So let's look at the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of those mighty major prophets of the Old Testament, probably similar to John the Baptist, uh, very bold, very burly. And I don't know about you if you listen to that line, but it really struck my heart this week listening to these words. He says, the sleek and the strong I will destroy. And my American uh, mindset, my Western mindset, really didn't sit well with those words by the grace of God. I've been mostly strong and healthy most of my life, so I didn't like that prophecy. Uh, but then I don't know what sleek is, maybe a, a nice trimmed uh, beard. I'm not sure what... Uh, that means. But I think what he's warning us about is that God is not wanting to get rid of us or cast us away, but God is ultimately wanting to reform us in his image and likeness. Remember, there's another prophecy in Ezekiel where he prophesies to the dry bones, the valley of uh, the shadow of death or the valley of dry bones, and he sees a time where God's spirit brings sinews and flesh upon the bones and places his spirit upon those living beings and that's us at the end of time at the resurrection where God will draw us back to life but to get to that point to be reformed in God's image and likeness for those of us who are strong oftentimes we live in a world of illusion that we are self-sufficient right we live in a generation that constantly places emphasis on self-sufficiency all of our Facebook profiles Instagram Profiles And those things aren't bad, okay? But it's an illusion of the reality. And even some of our culture, right? Hollywood right now 
the illusion of their power and uh, their joy is being stripped away from them uh, in, in our time, in our culture. Okay? And you can apply it to any other uh, position of authority or strength. But why does God allow that? He allows that so that we can rely on him and him alone for the future resurrection. So again, to be very clear, God wants us to be God-sufficient, not self-sufficient. So that's the first reading. The second reading is from St. Paul to the Corinthians. Very similar type of message. He's sh sharing with us who sits at the center of the universe, which is Christ the King, and he himself holds all things together in and of himself. And day by day, moment by moment, he's drawing his creation back to him. And you and I are a part of that creation. And it's the will of God to bring all living things to stand before the throne of God. But God will never, ever, ever violate our human freedom. So Paul is reminding us to use your freedom to choose the good. Use your freedom to make sure that your salvation is secure. Use your freedom to make sure you're loving your brother and sister in Christ so that we will all have joy at the end of time. But that's hard for us, I think, again, in our American sentiments. We naturally think as freedom as American freedom. Right? I get to be the sole determiner of what my life looks like, what I get to do, when I get to do it, how I get to do it, and at what cost I get to do it. But that's totally different from Christ-like freedom. To get a glimpse of what human freedom looks like, go to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus in his human nature is bleeding, right? He's sweating profusely from the passion that's about to come to him. And he's in dialogue with his father. And his father's will was to do that. His human nature begins to feel the weight of, of, of the fear of pain and, and suffering. And he asks his father, Father, if it all be possible, let this cup of suffering pass over me. And then he surrenders to the will of God. He sees a higher will, which is better than his good, and says, but not my will, Lord, be done, but yours. So right there, our human freedom is intended to be matched with God's will so that we can actualize the highest good that, that's possible in this life, which is sacrificial love, which is to lay down my life for my neighbor. And the gospel will teach us how to do that, to give our lives for the little ones. But we can't get confused, my brothers and sisters. The world wants to use our freedom for selfishness. But God wants us to use our freedom for holiness. That's crucial. And when we use that freedom, when we rely on God for strength, then we're living out of that baptismal covenant, which I talked about in the beginning. Finally, let's look at the gospel. In the new covenant, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. They're kind of like the Ten Commandments of old. But he also gives us some practical things that we're to do. If you and I are in right relationships with him, if you and I are carrying our cross, if you and I are in, uh, grafted into the living tree of God, then we're going to be acting and behaving in certain ways. And the certain ways that God wants us to act is to be aware of where he is, especially in the little ones. And, I, and this is my judgment. And I often encourage... Um, people in the confessional to realize this so if you've heard me say this I apologize but as Roman Catholics we're very 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 good and, and self-aware of Jesus's presence in the Eucharist and we should be he's rightly rightly there he's also present in the sacred scriptures and for those of you who are maybe converts from a Protestant tradition maybe Catholics have had the stereotype that we don't know sacred scripture 
but we very, very much believe and uphold that God has revealed to us here. He's also in creation. Okay, we don't worship creation, but God is reflected in creation. God has written two books, the book of Revelation, the book of sacred scripture, and the book of creation to know him through the use of our reason, that there's a creator and that he holds all things together in himself. For us Catholics, we recognize God present in the saints. We had the blessed experience in my Capuchin community this past week to have a saint elevated to beatification, uh, blessed Solanus Casey, an American-born citizen and saints in Detroit, Michigan. And all of us can point to the saints that we love and know and touch and say, yes, Christ is present there. But I would also make the argument that because of our sacred covenant, that baptismal identity, that God is present in you and I and every member of the church. And especially Jesus is warning us in the little ones. And I don't know if you're like me, but as soon as I leave the church, I'm tempted to take off my Christian hat, and when I get on I-25 and I-70, I forget about Christ and my neighbor that's trying to cut me off on the road. And wherever we do that, wherever we're tempted to do that, we forget how close Christ is to us. And Jesus is warning us in the gospel not to do that because our eternal salvation depends on our awareness of where Christ is. And so I want to share a story with you from this past week that really convicted me about this gospel. And I'm not bragging about myself or any good that my brothers and I might do, but I want to share this story with you to encourage you to be aware of how close God is to you. So after uh, we had Mass here at uh, Our Lady of Lords, the Thanksgiving Mass, Brother Vince and I, Brother Vince is one of our uh, student friars who helps out with me here sometimes. We went back to the friary and we had a couple of donuts, and we were sitting around and saying, well, what are we going to do this Thanksgiving day? Because our meal wasn't until later. And so both of him and I are, are, are sports fans, so we wanted to uh, do something active. So we drove over to the Walmart on um, Evans and Federal right in that region. I normally don't like to go shopping around Thanksgiving or Black Friday. It's too chaotic for me. Uh, but we walked into the toy section, and we picked out a football. And... Him and I love football. We both played football in high school and growing up. And so we wanted to just throw the pigskin around and share that tradition of faith, uh, family, and football that both of him and I experienced. So we walked across the street to the high school that's right there on Evans and Federal. I'm not sure what the name of it is. And we were, you know, passing the ball back and forth to each other and having a good time. And then all of a sudden we heard somebody yelling from right there at the bus stop. And this man was encouraging us to continue to play, to encouraging us to continue to score. It was a little bit odd to me because I wasn't necessarily wanting a, a cheer squad, but somebody certainly noticed we were out there playing and was encouraging us. And again, this is my judgment, uh, but on that corner, um, there's my perception is, is uh, a less economically stable um, community that tends to visit that corner and oftentimes homeless uh, tend to pass through that bus stop. And this gentleman that was cheering us on, to me, looked homeless. So we just, you know, said thank you, and we continued to play. But as we were playing, he walked all the way around the block, which was a long distance, and came into the school where we were playing football. His shoes were tattered, his jeans had holes in it, he had a belt that could barely hold up his jeans, he had a jacket on with no shirt, it was cold outside, and he had bruise marks on his face, and um, it looked like maybe he had been in a fight recently. 
And so my first gut reaction was to feel a little bit afraid or to feel a little bit not sure what the situation was going to look like. So I looked at Brother Vinny and I said, you know, what, what do you want to do? He's like, let's get out of here, man. I don't know what's gonna, what this guy's going to do. And so he walked up to us. He goes, I want to throw you guys a pass. I said, excuse me? He goes, I want to throw you the football. I saw you guys out here playing, and I want to throw you the football. And again, you know, I just kind of stopped, and I said, well, we're kind of getting ready to leave. And he gets upset. He goes, you know, I, I really, really wanted to come out here and play with you guys. And these words that we just heard in the gospel stood in the back of my mind, stood out in the back of my mind, and our Lord said, pay attention, right? And I was already in the process of preparing the homily for today, so I, I, you know, these were real, real words in my head. And I looked at Brother Vinny, and I said, I don't know if this guy's going to rob us or run off with our football, but we need to play football with him. And we weren't in our habits, we were just in our gym clothes, so he didn't know we were Christians. And I said, yeah, let, let's do that. So as soon as we got on the field, you know, I was like, what do you want to do? He goes, go out there and run a post pass. I want to throw you a 40-yard pass. And I said, all right, let's do it, you know. <laughs> so sure enough, I ran out, and he hit us on a post pass, and he began to be just overwhelmed and jubilant. And he points to the sky, and he said, thank you. This is my thanksgiving. Thank you. I said, what do you mean? He goes, rather than go out and do drugs and drink today, I wanted to come and play football with you. This is my thanksgiving. I don't have family I don't have a lot of friends, and in fact, the people over at the bus stop told me that you guys weren't going to let me play because I'm too broken, but I wanted to play with you guys today, and I was like, wow, you know, and I was humbled because here we are, we're supposed to be the experts, right, at faith and trust and uh, love of one another, and this guy had more courage, more trust, uh, more um, courage in his heart, and again, I share that with us to help us to remember that Christ is in, in, present in the least person that we expect. That person that you feel like, oh, I don't know if I have time, I don't know if I have um, enough space in my life to, to be with this person right now. That's often the person that Jesus wants you to recognize his presence in. And after that encounter, we walked away and, and we just thanked him and uh, he made uh, our day and, and, and we made his day. And I think at the end of the year, my brothers and sisters, that's the call of the gospel. That's the, uh, the very, simple that we're, very simple thing that we're called to do as Christians, is to worship God in the Eucharist, worship him in his church, and to find others to serve out in the world. And if we make it anything less, anything less than that, then we're fooling ourselves. We're living in an illusion. We're not living out our baptismal call to build the kingdom in this earth. So may Jesus now be again the king of the universe and give us that vision of faith to serve him in our daily lives. Amen.